The following program deals with a controversial subject. The theories expressed are not the only possible interpretation. Viewers are invited to make a judgment based on all available information. This is your captain speaking. We are beginning our descent into madness. Open, open, your, 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 my, my, my. And we are back to another edition of West of the Rockies, the first edition of 2018. I'm really excited to be here. Genevieve, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Of course, looking forward to um, what will be an undoubtedly and very interesting interview. Definitely. I mean, it's almost like a year after that we had a, a John Captain on the show, and I'm really happy that uh, we're going to get a chance to talk to him tonight. So Genevieve, take it away. Well, yes. So as you mentioned, um, about a year after our first interview on the Tiffany Jenks murder, John S. Captain is back on Western Rockies to talk to us about the tragic death of his girlfriend and the extraordinary circumstances surrounding her case. For over four years now, John has been relentlessly campaigning for justice and exposure of the murder of his girlfriend, Tiffany. Four years on, however, the media is still brushing facts under the carpet and justice remains to be served. According to the official story, Tiffany bumped into an unfortunate group of strangers one night, willingly drove off with them and was then shot point-blank in the head. Apparently, she had never met or heard of these people before and according to the police report, it was just an unfortunate case of a fluke killing. This, according to evidence and reports collected, seemed to have happened all within an approximately 20-minute time frame. The case seemed to be an open and shut one for the police, leaving friends and family baffled and angry, of course. It was clear that there was far more to the story than meets the eye, and it didn't take a genius to figure out. John, we're really happy that you're back on the show to talk to us, and I welcome you back onto West Rockies. Yeah, thank you, Genevieve and Frank. Thank you both for having Tiffany's uh, story on your show. It's our pleasure, and you know, ever since, like I mentioned uh, just a minute ago, uh, a year ago, roughly, that, that we first got a chance to talk and you told us about this case, are you any closer to, to finding a, a, an answer? Well, I think that... Um you know, all of us are learning more and more as time goes by into the, I guess it's your world of the paranormal, <laughs> if you will. Um, and as the public begins to become aware that there are these entities that are operating in secret in our, in our, in our country, I think that we'll all become closer to really understanding what's going on on a day-to-day basis in, in both the criminal world and in the political, political world in, in America. In terms of Tiffany's case, um, I'm getting new information, uh, you know, at least monthly uh, from various people that have come forward, both that have spent time in prison with Tiffany's killer um, and or people who have known her family, people who have um, actually been to her house. So a lot of people over time uh, have come forward and given me uh, inside information into her life as well as um the lives of many others who believe to have been uh, victims of uh, MK Ultra mind control programs. So, John, could you perhaps start by giving us a few of the main points regarding the night of Tiffany's murder as released by the official police report and highlight some of the differences between their story and what you believe to be a true and accurate version of events? 
Well, most interesting is that um, all of what I'm telling you is not really my story. It's just what really happened, and um, it's proven both by my security cameras, uh, the police reports, and so on. But the night that Tiffany was murdered, she came to my house, and she told me, they want to kill me. And I, I had no idea what she was talking about uh, when she said they um, and or that she was going to die. She went on to say, um, and which was in my closed-circuit television cameras, I'm not going to die tonight. I'm not going to die tonight. I'm not going to die tonight. Three times. As she was looking down and smoking a cigarette. She left my house. Um, and, of course, anybody with logic would say, well, why would somebody who knows they're going to be killed leave your house to go die? And I think that's where the, you begin to start to see a mind control victim uh, unable to stop the action of murder. So she left my house and she went to the bar and unbeknownst to me, because I didn't have a, you know, I didn't have the uh, FOIA request, a public document request, <laughs> excuse me. Um, Tiffany had told the bartender her life was over and she didn't know what was going to happen to her. And so there were several people she told, including her therapist, um, of which I got the recordings later. So Tiffany went to the bar um, on October 8th of 2013 and she told the bartender her life was over. She walked outside anyways to meet her three killers who um, reportedly uh, by the police, they were just there randomly, although they had taken off the serial numbers off the gun that day. And uh, they drove Tiffany away. And, and some 19 minutes later at Blue Lake Park, which is a 16 minute drive from the bar, they decided they had no other choice but to shoot Tiffany in the head. Now, the public needs to know that the media 100% lied. And I think that, that once you understand that the media lied and you start to get the true story, like what we're telling tonight, like Tiffany met her killers outside the bar at 1.43 a.m., period. That's what we know by the closed circuit television at the bar, of which, by the way, they will not release to me still, um, even though it's a closed case. So at 1.43, she meets her killers. At 2.11, they all drive away. And now, as you can imagine, they're driving away together, three killers and Tiffany, and we all have to believe that they're happy, 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 because they just met, right? That's the story that the police tell. And they take a 16-minute drive to Blue Lake Park, and which left three minutes before she was killed. And two people reported in their home of hearing the gunshot go off at 2.30 a.m. in the morning. So... These people, as reported by the police, became so mad at Tiffany, they had no other choice but to shoot her. And, and it, like I said, it was 19 minutes after they left the bar. So if you believe that narrative, I mean, that's just absurd. And taking it one step further, they actually got out of jail already. And so two out of the three killers of Tiffany are out of jail. That's where I have a problem. And tell us a little bit about Tiffany, her background and character, and her general state of mind. Well, that's the thing, too, is that a lot of people, um, first of all, I believe she was under mind control. But, but putting that part aside, um, Tiffany at the time was 34 years old, and she had just quit her job running Bonneville Power Administration's dams, which, for those of you that don't know, they operate the 31 dams on the Columbia River and its uh, a tri a tributaries, you know, going to the ocean from Oregon. As a scientist, she ran the dams for the government, and um, she had quit about eight months prior to me meeting her. Um, and, you know, there's reasons why she felt she had to quit. But um, 
she believed that she was a mind control victim and she was sharing that with many people, including in some form, me and her therapist. And, uh, but Tiffany, um, basically, you know, she drank alcohol and she took pills, uh, from her prescription, you know, which was all pathetically crazy prescriptions from the doctor. Um, but more importantly was, is that she feared she was going to be killed. Now, when the court case came about, nobody ever said anything about that she knew she was going to die. And in fact, once they knew, once they had the court case, they never mentioned that the, that I said she told me she was going to die or that she told the bartender she was going to die. And so, you know, it all ties together like that. John, I wanted to ask you about a video you published on your Facebook page. And uh, for anybody that's interested in and following this case closely, I definitely encourage people to uh, to send John a, a friend request there on Facebook under John S. Captain, because uh, it's, a, it's a great place to stay up to date with John's struggle to bring justice to this case. But I wanted to ask you about a video you published. I think it was on Christmas Eve or maybe December 23rd. And it's a video of uh, Tiffany. And in the video, we see a visibly distraught young woman. And uh, I wanted to ask you to give us a little bit of context. What was happening? Why did you choose to record uh, that uh, conversation with Tiffany? And uh, did you have this video in your possession the whole time? And if so, why did you choose to release it uh, when you did? Well, I mean, I have probably 10 videos of me and Tiffany talking. We were both recording our lives. Um, you know, with the advent of the iPad, um, many people are now recording themselves, mm -hmm. uh, couples and whatnot. If they're, if they're not, I highly recommend they do because, uh, you never know what's going to happen in life. But, um, that particular video, I believe was about 10 minutes long. That's one of like possibly 10 total videos that I had of her entire life. Um, we were recording our lives talking about life. I believe that it, she really encouraged me to record, and, and she said in the recording, talk more about the future. And so to, to me, I believed she knew she was marked for death even then. And um, in the, her writings to me many times, she said um, many things that would lead someone to believe that she was going to die. Now, um, some people call it spiritual enlightenment slash um, you know, manifest destiny or other types of words, but the bottom line was that I was... I didn't understand any of this stuff at all. I didn't understand how it was that after Tiffany died, her family drove her dead body back five hours in their car to their home to get cremated. So all of the stuff that I was subjected to both just prior to her murder and after I had no clue what, what I was in for or what was going on. And I was actually seeking help from others to try to understand why is her doctor talking to her about getting shot? And then four days later she was shot and absolutely nobody cared. And, and see, I was just a general, I guess I want to say, like, I didn't have any understanding of the occult world or that the police are crooked. So as I was taking these clues to the police, nothing was being done. And so I think that um, most importantly, I had a pile of evidence about her murder early on, but nobody cared. And so that was what led me to begin the investigation into Tiffany Jenks' murder and also, I'd like to say on the Facebook page, uh, they can go to Tiffany Jenks Murder Facebook page, too, if they want to learn or read more about her case. Let me ask you about another aspect of the video that, that was uh, quite telling, in my opinion. That's when uh, you and Tiffany began to discuss 
her medication and you start reading out loud like a, a, a prescription, like a, something written on, on a medical uh, note, which is very poorly written. And I think that's one of the things that uh, uh, stood out to me. In your opinion, was it helping at all or do you think it just pushed her further down this spiral? Well, looking back, and I'm no doctor, but um, the general public probably could could come to the same conclusion I did. They were absolutely trying to kill her, mm-hmm. without a doubt. They wanted her dead. And uh, not only was she suicidal prior to me meeting her, not only was she on hundreds of pills, but she had a total of $192,000 worth of medical in the 12 months prior to me meeting her. Okay. And this was like 10 trips of suicide attempts to the hospital before I met her. And in all of the um, pills that she took, it said, do not take if you're suicidal and do not take if you drink. Now, I, when I met her, drove her to her doctor, I think twice. And both times, I believe she was drinking. So the doctor clearly knew she had an alcohol problem. And in fact, he prescribed her later after we met because I didn't want to take her uh, with me on vacation until which time she had been clean and sober, but they had prescribed her and abuse. So the doctors were very aware of, of the issue with her, um, you know, abuse of alcohol and substances, uh, the pills and whatnot. One of the things that I read on your Facebook page is that uh, you said that Tiffany drank so they could not control her. Tell me a little bit about you know, when did the term MK Ultra and the term like mind control began to pop up with Tiffany's case? Well, and can you explain a little bit why was the drinking a way for her not to be uh, under mind control? Yeah, well, many people that report to be under mind control um, have said the same thing, which is that drinking makes it to where they are not controllable. Um, I mean, if anybody's had a relationship with a drunk, you would know they can't do anything um, that a normal person does when drunk. So um, that's why you can't drive a car when you're drunk. And so somehow it's a glitch in the MKUltra or mind control programming. Um, But with Tiffany, every single thing, even prior to the death, was leading to an idea that something was wrong. And in fact, in the video that you saw there, Frank, uh, behind her head um, in the video that I made, you will see an ABC. And I asked her to look at that and to read it one, at one point in the video. Right. And she says, oh, you want me to look at this? And I go, I don't want you to. It's just funny. And I said, who are you, A, B, or C? Which person were you? All the people that are involved in this mind control programming have very unique traits about them that, um, you know, I won't get into all of them, but some of them is that they're missing time. They disappear all the time. They absolutely have these uh, uncontrollable freakouts after using a telephone, which all of this, I didn't understand what it was, what was going on. I just knew something was wrong with Tiffany. And uh, it didn't take me long, especially after she was killed, to see that this was an entire cover-up by the police, by the media, and in terms of not only her death, but the fact that these people were actually hiding all the truths about her personal life. And I didn't quite understand why. And then it was about eight months after her death that I ran into um, who you both know as uh, Clyde Lewis. And he has Ground Zero in Portland radio show. And I met Clyde and I played for him some recordings that I had gotten in my investigation into Tiffany's murder. And in these recordings, which meant nothing to me, the therapist can be heard talking about 
dark forces and her getting shot if she tells anybody about this stuff. And, and, uh, in fact, in one part of the recording that I, um, just released recently, um, which was the last part I, I had transcribed, the doctor actually says, you'll get the answers when you die. And then she was dead four days later. Wow. Um, I had submitted or tried to submit to the state of Oregon several times. And, and these are some of the things that the public should actually be outraged about. I have information about a therapist that is abusing clients without a question. And I didn't tell you guys this, but recently I submitted this to um, the teacher for the FBI. And he teaches them uh, when someone's lying or when someone's involved in crimes, detection of some sort. And I got his reports back and Everything he said was, this is the worst he's ever seen, and this guy belongs in jail. Wow. Wow, wow that's incredible. I want to ask you, because obviously in your quest to find justice, uh, it seems like you are obviously getting uh, a lot of uh, pushback from different places. Not just Tiffany's family, but judging by, by some of your updates on Facebook, even your own family. What is happening there? Well, I, I wouldn't say it's, yeah, I would say it's my sister. Um, why? She doesn't believe in conspiracy theories. She doesn't believe in mind control. She doesn't believe in MKUltra. She doesn't believe in going to CAA.org and typing in MKUltra. If you try to explain to me prior to Tiffany's death that MKUltra was real, I probably would have done the same thing. And so when you have smiley people, all happy, happy, you know, I mean, if you look at the people fighting me, not, not my sister, but um, people um, that are actually on the other side of this case. They are so nice and so good to tell you that that's crazy, that's crazy, that's crazy. So what they're really saying is, you know, Tiffany just randomly got shot that night and, and the people didn't hear the gunshot, the same gun that they removed the serial numbers from that day, the same gun that they bought on a promissory note two minutes before the death. And you begin to wonder, well, what, what is the truth here? Of course, my sister doesn't have an understanding of MKUltra or mind control because she didn't type it in. And if anybody wants to learn about MKUltra or mind control, um, Tiffany's case is an excellent example of it because, as you well know, her job was actually running the dams for the government. And so here you have a high-level person working at a high-level job within the U.S. government. And, and what it really comes down to is do you believe her murder was random? And, and I never did, never will be convinced that it was random. And in fact, she even recorded her killers prior to her murder. And so um, why does my sister not support the concept? Because there are other people that are really nice to her telling her, John's crazy. I know you mentioned a cult that is the one that seems to be interfering with, with your attempts to find justice. Are these the people you're referring to that maybe are uh, telling her that you are uh, crazy? Yeah, sure. I would say, of course. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you know, we interviewed you about a year ago, and that interview in that year has racked up close to 25,000 views. A lot of people have had a chance to, uh, to listen to you put this case forward, and some of like the inconsistencies... And it seems to be resonating with some people. Uh, you know, some people left comments saying that they themselves were victims of mind control. At the same time, there's people there making some serious accusations about you. What do you have to say to some of these people? Do you know who they are? Uh, are these people that you have interacted with at any point? 
Well, I think that um, it's a huge, huge learning curve. And anybody that ever fought the occult world or understands cults or Illuminati or New World Order, they understand that you, if you go up against this group, you're under attack. Um, or you personally getting contacted. So the trolls or smear campaigns that these people um, put forth is huge. I think if you look at the Scientology in the aftermath, the, those people said they had hundreds and hundreds of websites to fight them back. And so is it a surprise to me that some people don't want the truth told about Tiffany Jenks's murder? Absolutely. And, and so what they do, and, and there's hundreds of things that they do, and I've kind of kept track, um, and shared them with some other people who are under attack as well. And, and we've talked about the different angles that they take. But one of the things is, is they create hundreds of fake accounts and they have conversations with themselves about how awful or how great, depending on which side they're, you know, which, which side they're attacking, right. how awful I am as a person, as a business owner, as a boyfriend, as a, um, um, Everything from I'm fat to I'm stupid to I can't speak right or I I can't write right. I I have poor English. It doesn't matter what it is. All they want to do is create a negative thought in your brain so eventually you think negative about yourself. That doesn't work with me, okay? I've been in business my whole life, and I don't care what anybody else thinks. And all I know is I'm bringing forth the truth. Now, do these people have an agenda? Yes. They don't want to talk about the murder. Of course not. They want to talk about, oh, John this or John that. You know, it, it doesn't affect me at all. But um, why do they do it? Because they're supporting the killers. There were at least eight people involved in Tiffany's murder. I have the video to prove it. The police will not release the video. Now, so imagine this. I'm fighting the cult, which is like, you know, 5,000 people. The courts, I'm saying the courts were corrupt. I'm saying the police were corrupt. So now when you have killers that you're trying to put in prison, the police you're trying to say are corrupt and the courts you're trying to say are corrupt, you have a lot of people fighting against you. It definitely seems like an uphill battle. Is that why you mentioned on, on your Facebook page that Tiffany's murder is a three-state uh, murder cover-up? How did the other uh, states come in? Well, um, prior to killing Tiffany, um, Daniel Burnell, her shooter, um, left California um, and headed on a bus or rideshare with uh, Joshua Robinette, who were both charged in her murder. And they headed up to Portland to kill Tiffany. And Michelle Warden Brosey, who was also involved, left Washington to go to Portland. So then the three of them met up in Portland just hours before they shot Tiffany and they headed to the bar to meet Tiffany nearly the exact same time that Tiffany headed to the bar and randomly, according to police met Tiffany outside the bar while they had a gun in their, in their possession that they just removed the serial numbers from that day. And then they drove to murder Tiffany and, and some 19 minutes later shot her. And then the very day, same day they shot Tiffany Daniel Burnell goes back to Oakland, California, and Michelle and Josh ran off to Kelso, Washington to hide out in a hotel. I would like to say, too, that after murdering Tiffany, this is how you know it's really ridiculous. I mean, worse than, I shouldn't say worse, equally as bad as the murder. After they killed Tiffany, they molested a nine-year-old girl, which was Michelle's daughter. And, and Josh was actually charged for that crime. So pedophilia, the occult world, um, all this corruption that we see going on in America right now is absolutely absurd. And uh, I think that America is really waking up to this, 
to this entire group of people who are really ruining America. Um, and for those people who have ever had a penalty or a fine from the, from the courts, like maybe a parking ticket, I want to say Tiffany's killers, Michelle and Josh, received a $200 fine for their part in her murder. So if that's not absurd, now taxpayers spent a half a million dollars, uh, you know, uh, bringing the case to trial. Right. The killers, Michelle and Josh, got a $200 fine in the courts and a 13-month uh, prison sentence for the murder of Tiffany Jenks, or their part of the murder. I, I, it really boggles my mind. Obviously, I know that laws are different from state to state. However, one would imagine that in a case such as this, um, the punishment would be a bit more fitting to the crime. And I, I can totally sympathize with you and, and feeling that, that justice has not been served. Just to clarify for the people in the chat, um, they're asking what action of hers triggered her unfortunate demise. And I mean, for me, in summary, it was basically that she was trying to get out of her situation. But could you maybe give us just more details just so the audience really understands? Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, all of this was, uh, I didn't understand any of what was going on at the time. I, I was living this life in real time, but it's like I was confused. And um, I hadn't seen Tiffany for 60 days. I believe they were grooming her for her upcoming death and via mind control. I believe that based on the recordings that I ended up, and, and I keep talking about these recordings, I, I want to make clear, um, Tiffany had my cell phone. And I think that technology had caught up with the Illuminati. So if you were to go to YouTube right now and type in Tiffany Jenks therapist, you will be able to see um, various recordings that I've transcribed into um, real-time uh, audio transcriptions and in a video. And what you'll see there is that she's convinced that they're going to kill her. See? And so when I got the information, it was like, you know, new to me. I didn't understand when the night she died, why she said she was going to be killed. But, but what's key to this um, therapist talks is that he is very aware of all this stuff and he's talking in occult terms. He's talking in, you know, dark angels or, uh, you know, those sort of things. So Tiffany knew that she was marked for death. Um, and basically, I believe she came to my house to set me up on the murder, not because she wanted to, but because that's the way it works in that Illuminati murder world. She walked to the bar. Uh, from the hotel she stayed at, and she told the bartender, and I'm going to read from you right from the police report here, okay? I want to read something. Um, this is from the uh, arrest warrant for the killers. It says, talking about the bartender, Mr. Newland said he had Tiffany sit near the end of the bar, close to the door, and he held a conversation with her. In the conversation, the victim said, it may be the end of her life, and she's not sure what was going to happen to her. Now, that one paragraph or one sentence line in this nine-page arrest uh, warrant for the killers is the most important words because it's not related to me, see? I mean, Frank and Genevieve, listen, this is not my words, right? Right. This is the words of the police. And so if you have a third party that has no relation to me at all, I've never met him, and I didn't even know this existed until I got my FOIA request filled, but in this recording, or excuse me, in this paperwork, he's telling the police that she told him she was going to die, right? Right. 
he says it right there. My life is over and I'm not sure what's going to happen. So why is that only one paragraph? And then there's nine other pages about John Captain and his business or John Captain and his tags on his car. I mean, the whole, the whole entire arrest warrant has, there's no truth in it. Why was the bartender aware that she was going to die? And why did she walk outside to go die? Well, and why wasn't that really taken into account during the case? It seems like that they thought it was not even worth mentioning or, you know, highlighting, which is, I think, the most bizarre part. Yeah. Well, if you take into account, I knew she told me she was going to die. And I thought she meant mostly from drinking. I didn't really, at the time, quite understand what she was talking about. And I didn't think she would be killed. And then second of all, you have the therapist who's talking about her dying. In fact, he was pro-die. And, and, and when I had the analyze, analyzation done of her words with the therapist, um, the analyst, which is named, his name is Peter Wyatt, he said it was the worst case he'd ever seen. And so when you have third-party confirmations that are unrelated to me telling you the same story, of course the bartender should have been a prime candidate for the court case, right? But... He wasn't even listed as a witness in the murder. And in fact, the public should be outraged because there was no trial. There was no evidence brought forward. There was no jury. All there was was these people pled out and got away with murder. How can Tiffany's killers get 13 months in jail and a $200 fine for their part of the murder? That's the part where the public should say, you know what? I've gotten a parking ticket worth more than that. They cost me more than that. Mm. Or a speeding ticket. Let's backtrack a little and speculate about how someone ends up in a world like this, in, in a situation of mind control? Well, I think that um, you have probably millions of people in America that are under mind control, and, and I'm not here to talk politics, but it appears they pop up in the weird, strangest times. But after Tiffany's death, they had actually sent to me 10 other or eight other mind control victims to try to guide my investigation, if you will. They all, only words they said to me was, that's crazy, that's crazy, that's crazy, to try to stop me from investigating Tiffany's case. Mm -hmm. And so if Portland, Oregon has, I would have to believe, hundreds of mind control victims readily available for any of these little uh, agendas, you have to wonder, if it's true that MKUltra is real and mind control is real, then was the Las Vegas shooting a mind control victim? Or was Tiffany's job at the dams more... Um, seriously overlooked then then the public needs i guess i'm trying to say is the public needs to be aware that this stuff is real and my whole point about the entire case is not even about the murder as much as it is why is a mind control victim running our dams and even in the idea that she was unstable that's all the more reason the fbi should have investigated her murder her family sent her to the psycho ward in 2007 she ran the dams after 2007, and that's one of the highly, most highly classified, or I guess well, I'm not sure the right wording here, but highly classified jobs in the world you can have. She actually moved the levers of the dam up and down. Okay, that was her job. And, you know, you ask me why it is that people are trying to stop me from telling the truth. Very simple. Mind control victim running the country's dams. That's all you need to know. If it's true what I'm telling you, we're in trouble. It's definitely um, uh, alarming, yeah, just the prospect of it. Yeah, and it doesn't take a genius to figure out that, you know, it's, it's in the government's advantage to have controllable people in high up places because, you know, 
they've got their fingers in all of the pies, basically, if they've got control over every aspect of the country. Many people have reported to me, I mean, John, think about what they could have done with the dams. I mean, I'm not here trying to promote it. I'm here trying to stop it. Right. So what could they have done with the dams? I don't know. Ask the people in Texas. But there's also a lady, um, Denise, who has uh, put up a uh, YouTube channel that's nice. It's called um, When the Dam Breaks by Tiffany Jenks, When the Dam Breaks. And she talks only, not only, but primarily about the issues of the dams. And it's all about Tiffany's job. And so some people might find that fascinating to really dive into that whole conversation. But, you know, I think with Tiffany's life, and by the way, her birthday is coming up on the 19th, so it's, it's um, really, uh, it, she would have been 40 wow. here on January 19th. But as you begin to look into her life, all you have to ask yourself is this. Did she die the way the police claim? And you, if you believe that, and I want to say the media did lie, but even if you watch what the media claims to be true, you still can't believe the story. There's definitely, I can hear in your voice, the, the frustration of running into so many obstacles John, we're going to take a quick break. It's a bit past the top of the hour, but we'll take a short break. And when we come back, we got, we got some more questions to ask you. Uh, I wanted to ask you about some of the, uh, the police involvement and some of the people that you came in touch with uh, before and shortly after the unfortunate events that led to uh, Tiffany's uh, death. So would you be so kind to just hang on the line for us? And when we come back, we'll talk about this and a few other things. Yes, sounds good. Awesome. And we're here with John Captain. Uh, and in this case, here we are a, a year after, and there's definitely more information, but I feel like the, the adversity and the obstacles for John and everyone that, that wants to, to see justice serve, it's, it's definitely, a, the fight is definitely not an easy one. We're going to take a quick break here. Like I said, we're going to go out with a song. Well, I haven't heard this song in a while, but uh, this is uh, from the, the Drive soundtrack, which was a pretty cool movie. Uh, mm -hmm. This one's called Night Call by Kaminsky and Love Fox. This is West of the Rockies on the Independent FM. WTRradio.com is the website. I'm joined by Genevieve. I'm Frank, and our guest tonight is John Captain. Don't go away. We're going to be right back. West of the Rockies with Frank. second half of west of the rockies i'm frank thank you guys for sticking around i know it's late but man we're we're over here all fair genevieve and i really like discussing this whole situation because it's it's definitely perplexing it's definitely it's, it's definitely, more than perplexing and yeah i, I mean, guess that's an understatement it's, well it's perplexing and infuriating when you know that people who are meant to be doing their job um law, police force, um, they're not doing their job, apparently. Really quick, uh, you just heard Night Call by uh, Kaminsky and Low Fox. That's from the Drive soundtrack. And we also heard a little bit of David Bowie on the, uh, we're, I think we're really close to the uh, anniversary of his passing as well. Uh, and that was Modern Love, one of uh, my favorite David Bowie tunes, that's for sure. As always, I'm Engineer Frank on Twitter, West of the Rockies on Facebook. You can uh, follow the show on Twitter at W-O-T-R- 
followed by the word radio on Twitter, and check out the website, WTIRadio.com. You can also subscribe to the YouTube. If you dig the show, that's one sure way to support us. Go ahead and subscribe. And I'm joined by Genevieve, and you can find here find her here i'm sorry <laughs> every thursday night new time as well 7 p.m to 9 p.m hosting her very own show no added flavors music fun facts jokes and a whole lot more um you definitely don't want to miss that and you can find her on twitter at genevieve uway uh, you can google it because if you don't know how to spell it, it's always <laughs> tricky y-u-x-y-z or something <laughs> our guest tonight is uh is uh, mr john captain and he's bringing us up to speed and everything that's been going on with this quest for justice and in the case of Tiffany Jenks. And I'm going to bring John Captain back on the line. John, can you hear us all right? Yes. Can you tell folks one more time where uh, they can find more information on Tiffany Jenks and your efforts to bring justice to the case? What websites, what Facebooks and all that? Facebook is John S. Captain, C-A-P-T-A-I-N, like it sounds, and also Tiffany Jenks Murder on Facebook. Um, in addition to that, www.programmedtodie.com, with two M's, by the way, Program to Die. Um, which that site is actually a collection of mind control victims um, and or cases that will bring light to the subject. And then uh, www.tiffanyjenksmurder. And Jenks is J-E-N-K-S, jenksmurder.com. So those are the um, sites that I have right now. And, you know, it's, it's important to note that this is not my job. I'm not a presenter of information. I'm not a radio talk show host or a news broadcaster. I'm just me. So a lot of what I um, have accomplished is just me trying my best to bring light to the subject. It's not my profession. So if some of it seems disjointed or screwed up or, or not perfect, well, so be it. I must say that you have uh, tirelessly crusaded for Tiffany Jenks, and I've seen just how many people you have reached with your plight for justice. You have spoken to uh, Clyde Lewis of Ground Zero Radio and uh, David Icke as well. What is one of the most eye-opening, mind-blowing things that you have discovered as you've gone down this rabbit hole of uh, mind control and cults and conspiracies? Well, it's, it's quite odd because it, I want the public to just put yourself in, in my shoes and just think, okay, so your loved one was murdered. What do you do? What do you do now? What's the first step? Well, like any normal person, you would rely on the police. Um, I think that especially when you're distraught, I've never known anybody to die, especially not from murder. Um, my grandparents was the first, uh, someone passing away, but if you've never been involved in any crime like this, you would rely on the police. When I did, I was, dumbfounded to find out that the only reason they were actually asking me what I knew was so they could figure out a way to stop me. And I see that now that, now that I've gotten some, just a few of the public document requests filled that I've um, requested. Uh, and by the way, the police will not give me the, what I've asked for still. And the public should be outraged about that as well, because what this is really about is there's this guy, me trying to get killers, them in jail. This is not like, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, build a house or do some law change or, you know, trying to, I'm just simply saying, I have proof her killers are not in jail and I want to get them in jail. How do I do that? I don't know. And so as you turn to your police, which is where you're, you're, you're instructed to go to, 
it's odd that they didn't care. And so I just posted just now, and people can find it on Facebook if they just go to John S. Captain on Facebook, or they can actually go to YouTube and type in Tiffany Jenks crying for help. That is probably the most disturbing audio out of all of it is a voicemail from her hours before she was murdered. And uh, none of that ended up in the court case because they didn't have one. And I want to say that um, the killer, one of the killers, which is named Joshua Robinette, um, who was also charged with the child molestation uh, after murdering Tiffany. But I have audio of him talking to Tiffany that I got because she had my cell phone. And if I provide the audio to the police and I say, Tiffany knew her killer, then that's now, you know, premeditated murder, right? Now it's no longer just some random killing that night. And so that's my whole point. My whole point of this case is, is that killers are on the loose in Portland. And while at the same time, people are talking about gun laws, I don't even want to have that discussion with anyone because known killers are on the street. And here's what's odd. These people didn't even lose their right to own a gun, Michelle and Josh. They weren't even charged with a felony. I don't even believe they took their guns away. And so, and they were the known killers. So what do I do when the police don't tell the truth? What do I do? Uh, at first, I went to her family. And then finally, they got a restraining order against me because they didn't want to hear the truth either. I wonder why. And then, and, and so I had like a hundred clues to this murder by the time I was done. And all the uh, documents that I got from the government by uh, FOIA requests only proved that I was telling the truth. I mean, if you read the, um, which I sent to you guys a copy quite late uh, today, but if you just take the police report and it says that the bartender that night said, Tiffany said her life was over. How can that not be a clue to the murder? Bartender right. knew she was going to die. And so those kind of very basic clues we're all covered up, and that, that's the problem. I don't understand why. And the public should not understand why either, but what they should do is say, why are killers on the streets? What's the purpose? Why are the police wanting these killers on our streets? I think another huge um, piece of evidence that they don't really seem to be taking into account or that they certainly brush on the carpet is that there is, in fact, evidence that she knew the killers before. Um, tell us a little bit about that recording with Josh, and I can't recall if there were other people present as well, but it seems like, you know, she she has spoken to him before and in a very familiar way at that even. Yeah, correct. In the recording, uh, key things, um, and also people can go to YouTube and just type in Tiffany Jenks Josh, or Joshua, either way, um, and they can hear the recordings themselves. But This is why the police never released any audio from any of the three killers. This is why they refused to release the video from Tiffany at the bar that night. Because, okay, let's talk about the audio. I have proof that Tiffany knew Josh. She recorded him. She was fearful for her life. And she told the therapist she was fearful for her life. Okay? So the police won't release any audio of that killer, Joshua Robinette. Another step. Okay, because if they do... That's conspiracy to commit murder, right? That's right. all you need to prove. If, if I only can prove one single thing, all I need to prove is she knew she was going to die. And the whole story blows, is blown out of the water. And so the second thing that the public should find interesting, the police will not release the video of Tiffany at the bar prior to her death. Why? Because I have video of the killer 
walking around and around my store the night Tiffany was at my house on my closed circuit television cameras. So just to be clear, I have video of, of, her, of the killer circling the block hours before Tiffany was murdered and he doesn't have any facial hair. So if you look at the killer and, and I, I know this for sure, if you look at the police, uh, Tiffany Jenks murder killer, which is a uh, Daniel Burnell, he has facial hair in the actual night. He killed Tiffany. He didn't have any facial hair. The police used that to throw me off, but I got the, uh, I, I just knew it was him. I saw him walking around my store. And so I presented this stuff to the police, right? The video, they don't want anything to do with it. They didn't take any copies of any single part of this murder. Nothing, not the audio, not the written stuff. Tiffany wrote to me. She texted me. She called me, uh, she did everything possible to let me know they were going to kill her, and the police didn't want any of it. Now, that's corruption. And how far did it get? Did they even look at it? Did they even listen to any of it? Or did they rule it out before even set, laying eyes well, they on it? Well, based on the FOIA request that I received later, you can see they had an agenda. And the agenda was to get these two people, Michelle and Josh, off the murder case so that they can do their tasks again. They are definitely, in my opinion only, MK Ultra mind control victims as well. And um, even Michelle warden Brosey's aunt told me that she's involved in the Eastern Star part of the, uh, you know, one of the cults there. Oh, yeah, the, but, the Order uh, of the Eastern Star, yes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and if you don't understand any of the occult world, Tiffany Jenks' case is just one of those where you go, okay, so you're just saying she's a drunk and she lost her way and met bad people who had a gun, who took off the serial numbers hours before the shooting, came from California, shot her in the head, left her there for dead, didn't know why she wasn't in the car for the ride home because they didn't hear the gun go off, the same gun they sold to the shooter 10 minutes before the murder on a promissory note. And the, I love this one too. The police said, there's no direct threat to the public, but we don't know who the killers are yet. That's weird. Wow. Wow. I mean, I mean, every single thing they said, no one could possibly believe. No one. And it, and it all comes down to this. Do you believe the narrative that, these, that our government is telling us about these different incidences like um, Las Vegas or Tiffany's case? Or, and so you start to add them all up, you know, and, and then you become a, a, a David Icke. You know, you start to say, well, the whole government's corrupt. And I truly and honestly believe in my heart that 100% of the government is corrupt. And the reason why, because nobody steps forward and says, you know what, John, we don't want killers on our street to kill again. So we're going to take your evidence and we're going to see what, where it lies, but they don't do that. Right. They all protect each other. And so this is, this case is the one case that can really change everything for everybody because it proves that mind control is real. She ran the dams. They don't want anybody to know the truth and they're going to do anything they can to shut me up. And we've got, um, you know, a few interesting contributions in a chat and the people contributing, I believe, are correct. Um, they destroyed her image as they always do. And that indeed seems to be one of the number one tactics used by, um, you know, those higher up. Destroy someone's image first so that uh, their death seems, you know, insignificant or maybe even justified. Yeah. 100%. And, and it's so sad, but that person knows... They know, they know, and that's a heart-filled comment. And I'll tell you what, it disgusts me to read the emails I received from Tiffany's mother 
calling her a prostitute, calling her a loser, calling her a drunk, calling her a liar, all of this after she was dead. Mm. And I kept replying, what are you talking about? But, you know, if you, that person that made that comment online understands, right? But America as a whole right now is so busy working hard, they don't understand what's really going on in America. And, and I was one of them. I didn't understand either. And so I'm very hopeful that more people like the person that just commented, come forward and talk about Tiffany's case because, yeah, she was made a bad person. And that irks me to no end. My sister said the reason Tiffany's dead is because she lost her way and she was a drunk. And that's so offensive to me. Yeah, it's extremely uh, dismissive. Of, that's of, so insensitive. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I just want to say that, yeah, indeed, uh, you know, you, you sent us over some documents and I can see here, including uh, one where it says that you won in the court of appeals to tell your story. Because I know, as we talked about, you know, in the first half of the show, you have uh, encountered a lot of adversity trying to, to just merely even just tell your story, you know, on a platform like Facebook. But let me ask you this. Uh, you mentioned that uh, some cops confided in you that uh, they were told to stand down and not to help you. And obviously, that just adds a lot of credibility to this uh, theory that there is uh, corruption going on and there is a cover-up going on. Can you tell me a little bit about the, this incident? Did these cops approach you or was this while you were trying to reach out to people for help? Yeah, um, what I ran across was is that I had several things that I needed to get reported to the police, both in crimes that were being committed against me, um, somebody had stolen from me, and also um, in submitting evidence in her murder. I kept getting referred back to the corrupt Fairview, Oregon police, um, which only has like 10 police uh, total. And so became friends with one officer who, whom I met basically one time when Tiffany called the police and he came back and talked to me about it said he was sorry that Tiffany died. And, and he was really nice. He was Portland police officer, officer Higginbotham. And as I wanted to um, get help in her case, and I have the call recorded, because I'm from Oregon, I can do that legally. Thank you very much. Uh, but in the recording that I made uh, with talking to Officer Higginbotham, he specifically said he was told to stand down and not help me. That was his words um, to me. Wow. And so, and, and he's probably been the only honest one. They did everything they can to stop me, including trying to, um, you know, they sent four cops one day to make me crazy. But my police officer friend happened to be there that day, one that's unrelated to this uh, situation. And he was a 22-year LAPD and Portland Police Department named Robert Shire. And he was there. Otherwise, after they left, he goes, John, they were here to arrest you. I'm like, arrest me? For what? Oh, they're just trying to shut you up. And I go, you've got to be kidding me. So they left. And it wasn't more than four months later that my friend Robert Shire, uh, like I said, he ended up dead. So... Uh, I believe it's related to my case as well, but you know, that has to be investigated separately, but he went to a hospital and for some kind of minor something or another, and then ended up calling his wife several times saying, make them stop. They're killing me. And then he ended up dead. So wow. when you're fighting what I believe to be the Illuminati slash new world order, they will do anything possible to stop you, including befriend your sister, your friends, send people into your life, other mind control victims to be honeypots or, uh, you know, ruin your business. I got sued at my business. So, you know, if you're not under attack, it's no problem. You can fight all you want. But when you're under attack, like I am, I have no choice but to um, do things a certain way. Now, in terms of the court of appeals, um, which people can go to the Oregon court of appeals website and just type in 
versus John S. Captains. I was refrained from talking about the case um, illegally, and they got a restraining order to stop me. See, because once they found out I had all the clues, they were no longer nice to me. Up until that point, they were, oh, John, don't worry. The police are working on this case, not to fear, da 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 That's all a lie. And to the untrained eye or to the person that didn't have any clue about murder, sure, you would want to believe that. But I knew something was wrong when the police didn't want copies of my evidence. And so, you know, each step along the way was a learning curve for me in dealing with crooked police, crooked government. And uh, I think it's really sad because all these killings and shootings that are going on in America, that you think that the police would want the killers off the street and at least the guns that kill people. We were just sitting here kind of looking at each other at, uh, at just how this case is, just has so many twists and turns. Let me ask you about something that you referenced early on in well, you just referenced, uh, you know, just now, they send people, as you said, into your life. One of the things I kind of saved here, because I wanted to ask you about, um, I, I saved one of your posts on Facebook. You said, if I met you four months before or four months after Tiffany died, 99% chance you are a mind control victim. How did you arrive to that conclusion? What gave you that eye-opening insight? Well, basically, I mean, uh, for instance, we'll take one person that uses the name Drew. It's not her real name, but let's just use that one as an example. I met her four or five months after the murder and at Goodwill, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't know her, never met her until the time in which I met her at the Goodwill store, okay? So here I'm reviewing the closed-circuit television cameras of my store the night Tiffany died, and I'm like, Drew, and she's in my office, right? Mm -hmm. She's like a honeypot girl that, you know, is, is definitely a mind control victim, but she's like, that's not me. I'm like, that is you. You're wearing the same boots you had on before. And in fact, if you go to YouTube and you type in Tiffany Jenks drew, you will see the video of her. Now her boyfriend who's walking with her, his name is goes by the name of Biko. By the way, all these mind control victims, they have code names. So he says to me one day, where's drew? And I text him a video and he goes, yeah, that's me. Where did you get that? And I go, that's you and Drew walking by my store the night Tiffany was set up to die. And so here Drew had been sent into my life and I have her on video the night Tiffany died. And when I confronted her, you know, it was about six months after I met her or so, then all of a sudden she disappears, right? She's no longer um, working on the case. But the only thing she really did was steal all my documents and, and create this false narrative in my mind. Oh, John, you're crazy. You're crazy. I said, this is Tiffany crying for help on a voicemail. How is that me being crazy that she knew she was going to die or so on? And so I got all these people that were in my life, right? Like there's another one. If you type in Tiffany Jenks and Jeffrey, this is Jeffrey walking by my store with Michelle Warden Brosey, the killer on YouTube, the night Tiffany died. And so I have all these videos, right? But I didn't know these people. And all these people just magically came into my life. By the way, Jeffrey is the ex-district attorney for Multnomah County. And he's walking by my store with Michelle Warren Brosey. And so as I was learning and meeting these people, like, like right now, I wouldn't have, say, Frank on my video. Right. If I met you, you, why would you be on my video? And then you came into my life. And so all of these people are interrelated in terms of their occult beliefs. And sure, they sent 10 mind control victims to assess what I was doing, honeypot me, keep me distracted, and to make sure what clues I really had 
so they could report back to the police. See, because everything up until the date they got the killers off of murder charges, they were in full control of because they knew what I knew. I didn't know that when I was telling the police they were actually trying to block me. I thought they were there to help me, but they weren't. So they did the first investigation, the police did, where they lied. And by the way, if you look over these documents here, this arrest warrant, it's all about me. I'm not the one that got arrested. This is supposed to be about the killers. And right. not a single word about the killers is in this stuff. In, in what, 13 pages. And so you start to see a narrative where you can't have it always. You can't not give us the video from the bar the night she died. You can't not give us the audio from the killers. You can't not get the killers on murder. You can't not, you know, these people said they didn't hear the gun go off. You've got to be joking, right? Who would believe that? And again, for the people in the chat, could you recap, please? Um, for how long did you know Tiffany um, before she was murdered? I met her in September of 2012. She died October of 2013. So was it a year or something? Yeah. And basically, I was 100% set up on her murder. And here's the thing. Since I was never charged, <clears throat> what, what's my avenue? I can hire lawyers to fight my case, to get the police in trouble for setting me up on this murder. But anybody who likes to investigate this stuff can read the documents. Um, and I need to put them online still. But um, basically, it's very clear that, that I was set up. That's why she came to my house that night. I hadn't seen her in 60 days. And it goes right in line with what the MKUltra mind control victim will do. They'll set up anybody. And if you listen to the recordings that I got after Tiffany's death, uh, especially the ones with the therapist, she was 100% love. And he was telling her over and over and over, whatever this guy tells you, disregard, you know, don't talk to him. It doesn't mean anything. And she says, how can you say that? He can save the world. And so, um, to what extent do you, do you feel that you were a pawn in this whole, whole plot? Um, and what are the chances that they were targeting you in maybe some other nefarious ways as well? If they were successful, do you think they could have possibly even partially mind-controlled you and made you believe you, you know, contributed to a murder? How far did and could this have gone? Um, yeah, good question. Um, first of all, I don't believe that anybody could mind-control me because I have ADHD, dyslexia, and I'm completely out of control. I don't think anybody can mind control me, but I, I'm not putting, I'm not putting mind control victims down. I'm more saying that they're smarter than me. Uh, and that takes a smart person to be a mind control victim. I'm not a dumb person, by the way. And I, I think people really need to know that. And I'm not smart when it comes to taking orders or listening or, or I'm not saying that that plays a role in mind control. These people are taken from birth. They're raped, tortured and abused. Um, and do I think I was set up hundred percent. I think that they wanted to steal my business because one of the gentlemen that entered my life just before the murder is a guy named Bill. And he also is the, this is all weird, by the way, he is also the Hearst driver and best friends with the uh, toxicologist, or whatever you call the guy that does that, um, um, the coroner's office. Mm -hmm. And he, he works with Michelle Horton Rosie, who dressed dead people at morgue. And that's the reference Tiffany made to these vampires want to kill her. And so you have all these people, by the way, uh, I believe Bill was, he started working for my business and helping my business. And then um, this was just months before Tiffany's death. And I believe he's, well, I know he's related to Michelle Warren Rosie, so he has to be related to the case. There are so many of these, um, I don't know what you want to call them, dark entities or bad people, bad actors involved in this case. Um, and that's why you see this 
massive amount of people fighting me. I'm trying to get them on murder to make America a better, safer place for other people's children to live in. And they don't want that. They want to get these killers back on the street again. And, and even the shooter, by the way, I want to say something about him, uh, Daniel Burnell, in his 190-page um, uh, police report, uh, depositions, he said that Michelle and Josh made their first kill at age nine. That was his words. And so these people are back out on our streets. And, and I'm not asking you to believe me. I'm saying... The shooter even said that these people are horrible. That uh, yeah. blows my mind. It really does. Now, uh, talking about the people that crossed your path after uh, you know, the unfortunate uh, death of Tiffany, I believe you said somebody from the from the Tate family of you know Sharon Tate fame. Uh, you had an interaction with a member of that family or something along those lines. Can you tell me a little bit about what was the nature of that interaction and how the, the who this individual was and how you came to meet with them? Well, um, there was a guy named JD that is related to Sharon Tate, and I believe him to be also a microphone. Um, and in fact, we've talked about it in depth. I, I think that um, all these people are inner, they're all friends. And so one would bring that friend over and, you know, at, at my business and we would work or uh, talk or whatever. And then all of a sudden, you know, like, I mean, basically what it comes down to is that they're all friends, but they don't tell you that they're friends. And so uh, a lot of times it's very strange. You know, like I met the girl at Goodwill, you know, for instance, uh, Drew. And so, and then, and then, excuse me, um, Jeffrey, I met from a girl named Tyson because he does legal work and he told me he would help me with his legal work. So I know we have mentioned this before, but um, it's, I think it's always very interesting and important to go over this again. The idea that her psychiatrist was essentially her handler, and for those who don't know what a handler is, it's the person that controls the mind control victim. Like you said, there were recordings made, and in those recordings there are some things that really stand out, such as his taps and certain phrases that he repeats that are very reminiscent of even very old school MK Ultra mind control techniques. Talk a bit about the following the yellow brick road and the, the certain pointers that really suggest that he was a handler. Yeah, um, well, the therapist, uh, she recorded him and he knew she was recording. And um, basically that's why her iCloud was completely deleted out two days before she was murdered, I believe, because he knew she recorded and uh, it's kind of funny because her family gave me the passwords to get into her accounts and then tried to claim to the courts that I hacked into them. I'm like, yeah, because you gave me the passwords. Duh. <laughs> and, and then so I had the emails about that. So that was just a big lie. But the therapist's words at the time when I got them didn't mean anything to me. I was just reporting all what I got to the police and to her family. But as they were getting more and more of the information that I was getting, it became clear that... that um, no, they were going to um, try and stop me as opposed to help me. But during the time in which um, the therapist was talking to Tiffany, he talked about uh, things like follow the Elbrick Road, Dark Angels. Um, and in one part of the recording, which I don't know the exact spot, he, she actually is falling out and saying, I don't know who you are. And you think you're a Dark Angel? And, and she's actually 
nearly passing out from his mind control tactics. And so anyways, that's, that's just a bit, but you can type that in on YouTube and just go Tiffany Jenks therapist. Let me ask you this, John, because it seems like in the last year or two, this whole subject of MK ultra mind control has kind of, uh, taken pop culture by storm, if you will, with shows like uh, Stranger Things and Wormwood and other shows like that. Do you find that people are more receptive now than before? I think the people that are ignorant to the idea or are closed-minded to the concept will be forever. Um, all my conversations lead to, this, to the subject, unfortunately. Um, it's key to my existence and it's key to our survival in America. For people that don't believe in my control, Tiffany James's life is the prime example of a mind control victim. So please look into it for her, for her life. Uh, so it's not a waste. Um, and in terms of me trying to convince other people or them being convinced already, uh, most of the people, which have been in the hundreds and hundreds, have contacted me about their abuse and about their rape and torture as a child. And, and this goes right in the line with pedophilia. And that's why I like what that lady had asked in the, in the chat was about Tiffany being put down as a human. I mean, after somebody's dead, I don't understand the logic in calling her names. Um, you know, I think there was enough of that from everybody before she died. So I don't really see the point in trying to convince us that Tiffany is a drunk or a bad person. And that's why I find the narrative by the police so offensive is because They want you to believe that she's so stupid that she lost her way, and that's why she's dead. That's a discussion about her. What about their killers? And so there's in every TV um, broadcast that was done for the news for Tiffany, you start to see that she's the victim, or excuse me, she's the bad person. She, she, she. Nothing about the killers. And in, in, in terms of how MKUltra plays into not only her death, but society, I think that people are waking up in the thousands, uh, probably per day or millions per day, that MKUltra is real. Uh, it doesn't take a scientist to figure it out. Just go to CIA.gov and type in MKUltra. Once you understand that mind control is real, every single thing in your perception or in your reality will change. Because now when they bring forth a, a Las Vegas shooting or a, a Florida airport shooter or, or, or some of these other um, cases, you're going to go, That seems like a mind control victim to me. And one step past that is once you understand mind control is real, can you imagine Tiffany ran 31 dams in a nuclear power plant as a mind control victim? And it's not my job to teach the public about mind control. The FBI should be knocking at my door, just trying to track me down, right? They should be hunting me to find out what I know about Tiffany and the dams. The FBI should be hunting me down to find out what I know about Tiffany the Dams. And by the way, I have nothing to hide. I appreciate that you've always been very uh, open to the questions that we ask, which we just feel we need to ask to be fair on both sides. Let me ask you this. I know you've also put out public calls for anybody that may have known Tiffany from childhood, because as I'm sure you've known through your investigations, a lot of these mind control Uh, individuals, this is like a generational thing. So, you know, it goes back a few generations. Have you been contacted by anyone that met Tiffany when she was younger that would validate this idea? Yeah, I've met two people. Um, one that knew her throughout her treatment um, prior to me meeting her. And then another from her childhood in Burns, Oregon. Um, 
uh, and I won't really go into details about the things that they've shared with me, um, but they have been to her. They, the one girl who lived in Burns had been to Tiffany's house and shared some very um, troubling issues. Um, and um, yeah, but I'm not going to discuss what the lady told me, but um, it's very clear. In addition to that, I'd like to say Tiffany's father ran Los Alamos Nuclear Laboratory uh, as a head scientist there for nuclear. And so the, the government connection is there. And I suppose that's why the FBI is not saying, hey, John, how can we help you with this murder case? Because it's all interrelated. They have the power. I'm just a nobody. And uh, on top of it, I'm not, I can't write that well. So I can't write legal documents, for example. And so here you have this person out here just hanging over the abyss going, what do I do now? You really have been, um, you know, pushing this case and you've also been supporting other people um, as you're doing this, um, which in turn, you know, helps Tiffany's case, but is also bringing to light other people's similar situations. And that is uh, via your um, program to kill, uh, no, sorry, program to die to website. Yes, yeah, sorry. Um, and for anyone listening, that's programtodie.com. Um, could you maybe draw some comparisons to the other victims or um, highlight one or two in particular and what sort of characteristics they generally uh, exhibit? I think that the key to Tiffany's is that she would absolutely freak out after getting a phone call uh, from her family. Um, it was weird. Even when we were in Thailand, I mean, everything started off, oh, I love you, you're the greatest guy in the world, to freaking out, I have to go home, oh my God, I got to leave now. You know, but not just normal freakouts. I mean, somebody might say, well, if you date somebody who drinks, and that comes about often. But even when she was sober, after she would get phone calls, um, Thanksgiving dinner ended up out on the street. Um, and then she went home and ended up in jail for a month. Um, and, uh, nobody went to go visit her. Uh, nobody put money on her books, which was weird. I, I did, of course, but, uh, they did, her family didn't. And then when she got out of jail, they made her walk. But in, in terms of other mind control victims and the, um, stories that they have told, I think Kathy O'Brien is certainly the biggest, um, most well-known mind control victim. And, and sadly her husband just died, Mark Phillips. Uh, both of them have shared uh, their life, and that has changed the world forever. And I've talked to them via email many times, and, and they can resonate with Tiffany's story. In fact, they gave me some good advice, uh, but I, will, I won't get into that. But, um, you know, you look at, you look at some of the um, other cases of mind control victims uh, that have come up over the years, and they all share the similar story. They, were, they had problems with their family. They were all raped, tortured, and abused. They were all drug or alcohol-induced, um, and they feared for their lives. And when you calculate all these things together, and you say, so John, Tiffany was fearful for her life, and you say, yes. And then she ended up dead, right? Yes. Okay, so do you think it's related? Yes. That's, that's my only point. Now we have to get killers in jail. And so... Other mind control victims are probably really reluctant to speak out because they look at how I get attacked for helping Tiffany's case. And I mean, you guys have pointed it out. Look at the attacks online. I, I, I'm not, I don't care. They, they don't bother me. I don't care that they sued my business and ruined it. I don't care that they, you know, my, 
I, I don't care what they do. I'm going to tell my story no matter what. Other mind control victims, you know, Kathy O'Brien, for example, she had to go into the witness protection program just to survive. And I mean, that's really pathetic. And that involved the Clintons, by the way, for those of you that follow that whole narrative. Right. But right. Um, mind control victims are coming out of the woodwork like crazy. And actually woodwork, that's funny, but Wormwood, um, you know, Frank Olson and Eric Olson, the son of Frank Olson, is a great story for people to watch on Netflix that talks about the beginnings of what is known now as MKUltra slash Monarch Mind Control Programming. Um, and, and one note that I might add is the killer, Joshua, or Joshua Robin, or excuse me, Daniel Burnell, he actually said, while we were killing Tiffany, she kept saying her name was David over and over. And he was confused why she said that. And I'm going to tell you why I was told by other people that understand mind control, because she had a male altar and her male altar was David. And so she was programmed to die. She had a male altar named David. She was saying her name was David over and over to the killer mm -hmm. before he shot her. Why else would a girl say my name's David? Just bizarre. Mm. And they're just asking again, uh, what exactly is the show on Netflix called? Wormwood, I Wormwood. believe. Wormwood. Okay. All right. So yeah. that yeah. was just for... Uh, it's somebody in the chat. Season. I yeah. think one of yeah. It's a very good show. And I'm, and I'm, I'm extremely thankful for people that, that don't know right now that care enough to check into this and to help. And or I'm thankful that other stories like Scientology, Aftermath, and, and those sorts of shows are coming out because it's all interrelated. We are run by a bunch of pedophile cultists in a deep state that are run, running our government. And I'm trying to say we caught them. With Tiffany's case, we actually caught them red-handed. It's very interesting how Tiffany's case seems to branch out into all of these different areas that for a lot of people is hard to believe. However, one of the reasons, at least on this show, why we follow pop culture is because I believe it, that it is through popular culture that the powers that be, if you will, parade some of these concepts in front of us. For the people who are asleep, it might not mean nothing, or it might just be some hypothetical TV show that they're watching. But for the people that they have woken up to this reality, uh, I feel like it's a bit of an insight to what goes on. And one of my favorite movies being Eyes Wide Shut, I feel that it kind of gives you a little peek behind the curtain of a side of, of society that we don't get to see very often. Another uh, person that you do mention every now and then is Max Spears. And again, the unfortunate murderer in his case. How much do you know about that? And I think it's important, you know, linking some of these other cases and looking at their parallels because at least for people listening, it gives Tiffany's case more validation. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. I met um, Vanessa Bates, Max Spears' mother, in person, and talked to her about his case and offered my help to her any way I can. Um, and also, uh, I had been in contact with her via phone shortly after his death because I wanted her to know what to expect when you're under attack from the Illuminati. She is part of sadly, she's kind of part of the whole occult world, mm. although she's, you know, desperate to get answers for her son's death. Um, she is very familiar with it and admittedly understands it all. So, um, she knows a lot about the occult world. Now, um, I 
told her we need to join forces and all of us who are uh, under attack trying to tell our story need to get together. And I think that's where the, the program to die page came about because it's not Tiffany's story. Although Tiffany's story may resonate with, with, um, you know, a girl that might go to a bar and end up dead or a girl that might go to a a guy that has a girlfriend that ends up dead. It might be one that actually resonates with the general public, but she's not an isolated case. And so what I do find interesting though, about the Max Spears case is I was contacted by what I will now call trolls, um, that are attacking me online, by the way, some of them, but they were adamant for me not to get a hold of Vanessa and not to work with her in Max Spears' case. And that's another example where I don't listen to anybody. I still went to meet her in London. I still talk to her uh, in depth about the cases. And, uh, you know, she often comments on my uh, posts on Facebook. But uh, I know I can trust her 100% to try to get to the bottom of her son's murder. And I also trust myself that I will get to the bottom of Tiffany's case. And so, when these people came into my life that were telling me, hey, John, don't contact uh, you know, Vanessa. That's just not a good idea. I found that to be very odd. And so that was all the more reason why I did contact her. Of course, it's one of those things where you just got to follow your, your better instinct at that point. And, and what are some yeah. of the you know, things, um, at least as far as you can t- um, tell us, um, what are some of the things that his mother mentioned and some of the anomalies she might have noticed about him? Well, um, she, she, we didn't talk about the mind control part of her, his life, uh, but we just simply talked about the murder itself and how, you know, his phones came up missing. They didn't search her phones, just like Tiffany's. They didn't search. I mean, get this, right? Tiffany's dead. They don't go to her home. They don't search her cell phones. How can the police not search a dead girl's cell phones after a murder? Mm-hmm. I mean, it even says here in the police report. Okay, but anyways, back to Max's uh, mother, Vanessa. Um, she talked about how she wasn't getting any help from anybody and how she was getting disinformation. And I just tried to tell her what David I told me, which is never, ever forget who you are and never forget what you know, because the disinformation will try to push you in a direction you never thought possible. And Kathy O'Brien said the exact same thing. She said, you are vulnerable right now and you're going to be under attack. You need to, you need to zero in on who you are, what you believe yourself to be, and don't ever forget that. And, and that'll allow you to help push you forward. But, you know, she's still um, working on the murder case. Like it's a different angle, more like it's a death and a murder. I'm working on it more like Tiffany was mind controlled and walked to her death. And so th- they do have similarities, but, but more importantly is, Hers was a murder and mine was a mind control person sent to go under programming to go die and meet killers. And that, that's the key to this case. You see, because in Tiffany's case, if one single element, whether it be the therapist or the police or the, if one single part of this case falls, the entire case will come out to the public. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And John, as, as we prepare to, to wrap up, I want to ask you this because I'm sure as you talk to more people and more people are exposed to, to the case of Tiffany Jenks, I imagine that people are reaching out to you for help or advice. If someone's listening right now and they feel that maybe, you know, they could be a mind control victim or someone they know, a family or a friend could be a mind control victim. Can you give any advice to, to people that might find themselves in a position like that? Well, I certainly believe there are millions of mind control victims across America, and a lot of them are tied to people within the government, people that have been raped, tortured, and abused as a child. Oftentimes, they will associate to a 
particular Disney movie, uh, unfortunately, or, you know, like in Tiffany's case, The Wizard of Oz, um, each one of the victims I met and decoded while I was around them, like speaking about Drew and, and them, I found out specifically what movies they were programmed under. And so it's not safe to really go about telling people they're a mind control victim because in my experience, they will never, ever admit it. And so it's a very tricky game as to how you can help them. I think the biggest thing you can do is offer people the advice is to write down their experiences about their childhood as far back as they can remember, even the horrible, horrible, the torture and abuse they have received. And um, don't look for people that won't believe you because that will just get you depressed. I think, and, and I, I, for one, am horrible because I didn't believe Tiffany. So you know, my advice to you now is much different than it would have been back then. But now that I understand that this mind control is real, um, I think the goal for the general public needs to be to get the government to admit the program was real and tell us who they mind controlled. Because you can say sorry about a program all you want. If you don't tell us who you did it to, that's pointless. I want to know who you mind controlled. That's, our, that's my goal. And so I want to know all the Americans who were tortured, given LSD. I want to know their names, right? I want you to know, did your mother get electric shock treatment because of the MKUltra program? I want you to know that. And so in terms of, of other victims that know or believe they may be or have family members that may be, it's a slow, steady grind to the, to the finish line. And it's a, it's a very painful one at best. And, and so it's very difficult to say how to help them. Yeah, I I don't think yeah that there is an easy way, but luckily I I feel that there's a lot of uh, helpful people out there that that can look for uh, more information. Speaking of more information, I want to tell people one more time where what websites they can visit to learn more about Tiffany Jenks and mind control and your fight for justice in her case. Yeah, thank you. So my Facebook page, and I welcome people to friend me because I'm um, fighting the uh, you know, system. So it's John S. Captain on Facebook, just Captain like it sounds. And then Tiffany Jenks, J-E-N-K-S, murder on Facebook. And then, uh, as Genevieve said, the www.programmeddie.com is just a list of, of different cases that you can learn about and study. And I think that's the primary way for people to, to begin to learn about mind control. And we definitely urge people to visit those websites. And uh, if you miss any part of this interview, we'll be posting this in the next uh, uh, day or two. You'll find it on our YouTube channel where you will find our first interview with John, where we first discover this case. And you can hear some of the recordings there as well, as well as uh, John's own YouTube channel, uh, which you can find there doing a quick YouTube search. John, I think that in, in this quest for justice, I think that there is another subtitle to this story, and that is that I believe that there's also a story of a man being uh, rudely awakened to this very uh, grim reality that I think that for many, many, many years, people uh, brushed under the carpet uh, and treated as nothing more than science fiction in a way. So, uh, you know, we wish you all the best in, in your journey. And uh, we look forward to having you again on the show with any, any more developments and information and anything we can do to help to uh, expedite justice in this case. We would be happy um, and honored to do so. Yeah, I appreciate that. And thank you for all your listeners. And that was John Captain. Uh, once again, I want to thank him because this is not something easy to talk about. Um, I think I said it before in our last interview, you know, uh, this is not someone that's 
trying to make money or, you know, any of these things. We're not speculating about some random conspiracy theory, but this is something that, you know, hits a little close to home. And you're, you're talking directly to someone who, right. who was affected by this. And you have to remember, this is, this is someone who lost a loved one. And we definitely, uh, yeah, encourage everyone to visit these websites. Check out John Captain on Facebook. Adam, he's always posting. He's always active. If you have questions, he's really good. You can go straight to him. And uh, and you heard him here. He's happy to answer any and all questions. And um, yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, guys. Well, what can I say? We definitely kicked off the year uh, here with uh, with some heavy stuff. Thank you for checking out the show. Once again, I'm Engineer Frank on Twitter. West of the Rockies on Facebook. Don't forget to follow, follow the show on Twitter. I'm stumbling over my words again. At WOTR Radio and check out the website WOTRradio.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, if you like the interview, leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Uh, you know, what do you think of this MK Ultra mind control, Tiffany Jenks? And I was joined by Genevieve. You can find her on Twitter at Genevieve Way and you can catch her here every Thursday night, new time, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific, hosting her very own show. No added flavors, music, fun facts, jokes, and a whole lot more. Till next week, guys. Take care. Be safe. Uh, don't do anything too crazy. We want to see you back next week. Till then. Bye-bye. Bye. West of the Rockies with Frank the Engineer on the Independent FM, Los Angeles.